We have been doing a short series. Does anybody remember? Persecution of the church. And do you remember, tell me some of the places or people we've learned about. The worm brands. The worm brands. And do you know where they were? The worm uh, They were in... The Netherlands. Well, they were... In the U- USSR before it was split out to become Russia. Uh, okay, so really it was in when it was under Soviet control. Okay? And? Canada. Canada, okay? We talked a little about Canada, and we've seen that there are pastors right now uh, that are struggling. Okay? Even in the last couple of years that have been struggling and, and even people that are put on house arrest or uh, awaiting trial for really standing up and preaching the gospel. Okay? Iraq. Iraq. No, I, uh, Iran. Iran, yes. Iran. Yes. <laughs> okay? And Iran was originally what? It was Persia, okay? So essentially, it's as close to the borders of Persia as it still exists. It was the heart of Persia, okay? Persia, at times, as we looked, was a much larger um, empire, I will call it, and it went way over, uh, but it sort of shrunk over time, but they still are under a great deal of Muslim control, and, and Christians just are not allowed, okay? It is law uh, that you will be a Muslim, and that's the end of it. Okay? So there are places in the world where it is the government that says it is completely illegal. And then there are places where it's not illegal, but we find that there are people or sometimes governments that push. Who else? Nigeria, right? Nigeria was another place. So we went into the, the continent of Africa. And by the way, uh, there are many, many, when I say in Africa, Africa has many countries. It is a huge continent, okay? And there are problems in many of them. Not all of them, but there are problems in many of them, okay? What else? Korea. Korea. Okay, we looked at North, North Korea, okay? And that is under communist rule today, illegal. China. China. Another place, okay. China, also in a very similar boat. It is not legal to have Christian services, okay. They will go after you. And uh, I think it was North Korea that was to the third generation. They would punish you if they found out you were a Christian punish you to the third generation after your family and your children's children. They're going to go after uh, and make sure that you can't get work, that you, uh, if you are living still, uh, they're going to make it tough for you to, to do things. Anything else? Corey Ten Boom. Okay. So really, we picked a couple of historical people because their stories were... Just incredible. Um, and Corrie ten Boom, did, when, when was she alive? World War II. World War II, okay. So the 1940s is when she was in persecution for being Christian, and she hid Jewish people, right? And she was taken to a concentration camp, Robinsbrook, right? Robinsbrook Crowd Concentration Camp. 
Her father was killed. Her sister was killed. And she was released. Did you get into why she was released? Mm, I don't think so. So here's the thing. This is the amazing thing, right? She went into living in these concentration camps where she did hard labor every day. They were freezing. They had just barely enough food to keep themselves alive. The guards were constantly after them. Their, their concentration camp, uh, their barracks were full of lice, okay? And that actually kept the guards out. And she said, this is a blessing, is having this lice, right? In the end, after her, many, many people died, and after she had lived there for quite some time, they called her number one day, her prisoner number. It was a mistake. Somebody had transposed two numbers and she got released because we'll say it was prisoner 102-102-01, and that was supposed to be released, and, and they wrote down 102-102-10, and she was taken out now. And then the next day, or the next week, everyone was killed. Yep. So she was released, and you say, well, that was a human mistake. There are no mistakes from God put you where you're supposed to be. And because she was released, God had more work for her to do, right? That's, she, that's why she was released. She went out, she did interviews, she talked to people, she forgave the man who killed her sister, one of the things up on a stage as he came. So there have been people that have gone through very, very difficult times, and we kind of just done really, in the last hundred years, we've looked at different countries, Almost all the continents, okay, we've touched on, there are things in many, many countries throughout the world, in fact, most countries have some sort of persecution going on, whether it's government that is running it or government that condones it and says it's okay to do or government that just turns their back on it and just lets it happen or whether it's not legal for it to happen but people do it anyways okay it happens in many many places now today I want to look at one more person her name is Leanna Leanna Cinqueta okay <laughs> and she comes from the United States when she was about, well, she, when she was 12 and 13, she grew up in a very different household, okay, at times living without power, uh, in a little tiny 12-foot trailer with her mom and dad, but somewhere along the line, she learned that she liked horses, and so she got on horseback, okay, and started to run and do dressage, right? What's dressage? It's, you memorize a pattern and... Okay, so you, you go for points, right, and things. So she learned to ride this, this sport, dressage, with horse, on horseback. She got really good at it, and she really, by the time she was uh, 
about 14, she was really, really good, and she was she was winning not only regional, but she won a couple of national championships, okay? 14, 15 years old. And then when she was about 15, she had a series of dreams. Now, she did not believe in God. In fact, she was a self-proclaimed atheist. I don't want anything to do with God. I do believe he doesn't even exist. Well, I guess he showed her uh, in some dreams, and she had several dreams, and after those series of dreams, she decided that there really was a God, and that Jesus Christ was that God, and Jesus Christ could forgive her. And so she went back to her father and said, I, I this happened to me, and he didn't want anything to do with it. He figured it would sort of fade away and go away. But as she grew a little bit more and intensified, this all of a sudden became stronger and stronger urge for her and became more and more important. And her father, as a, as a high school graduation gift, gave up a bunch of things and worked to build a barn for her to train in. She was going to train for the Olympics going to go to the Olympics. She was young, ready to compete, won some national championships, and said, I'm going to go to the Olympics and I'm going to win. And after she turned her heart over to Christ, the horses met less and less and less to her. And one day she called up her father and said, I need you to sell that barn and sell my horse and sell everything because I've been called to go to India. And she, he's like, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to do that. <laughs> and she ended up going to India, and they did end up selling things. She gave money to some of the towns she was in. She, was, she went to north, northern India, and God specifically told her, do not go with any of the missionary troops that are there. I want you to go and I want you to live with the native people there. I want you to live like they live. And so she spent many years, since the mid-1980s, she has lived in India and lived with the people and drank the old dirty water and gotten sick, all the diseases they got, and lived on basically rice and lentils, which isn't much to live on every day, uh, lived with those people. And she felt God really calling her to live with the people of India. Now, you have to understand, um, in, India is very, very large. Very, very large. I mean, it is over a billion people also there. Okay? And it's spread out. And there are regions of India that act a little differently. There are regions that are much more Muslim, and there are regions that are much more Hindu. Uh, the Muslim areas uh, are pretty hostile to Christians. And they actually, some of the Hindu parts of the government in the last six months have taken over and have pushed. And there have been, uh, in one region of India, they've burned over 300 churches that are Christian churches because there are Christians that live there that say, I'm a Christian. They burn them and they've been pushing from the government side. Okay? 
Now, she has been living in India for all these years now and just lives amongst people. And she has been helping out kind of a one by one by one, just building relationships with people, telling them about Christ, okay? Not necessarily a church builder. Some people are in places, but she's gone to be a relationship builder there. And it has worked out very well. Now, there was a man that she met early on, and this is where she uh, sold some of her stuff and got some money. It was a, a young man. And in India, you got to understand, family is everything. Okay, The family unit uh, is really important to them. Not just mother, father, children, but extended family. Right? And they love their families. But when you become a Christian, if you are a traditional Hindu or a Muslim, you shun those people. You have nothing to do with them. In fact, so this young man that she met became a Christian. His family was Hindu. And oftentimes he would go back home. A young, young guy, probably his late teens or early 20s, he would still live back at home. He had not been married yet. He would go back home and they would lock him out of the house. Not allowed him back in the house. They'd leave a little bowl of rice while others ate a whole bunch more. He, he lived on rice and water from his own family that persecuted him for becoming a Christian, for making that choice. And he continued and said, this is just important. You just don't understand. This is a really important thing. I know Jesus. I know Jesus. And the Hindus have a respect for Jesus as a teacher. But they don't necessarily respect him as God. Okay? Or he's just one of those many gods out there. And Hindus believe in many, many, many gods. So... That young man was living, and it was time for him to get married. And he was basically getting shunned and persecuted on a daily basis by his family. His father, uh, as it is tradition there, decided that he would uh, set an arranged marriage for his son. He chose a girl who was very sick on purpose uh, to give him a tough time. A person who had tuberculosis, and tuberculosis, if it's not treated, can kill you. And it's difficult to get treatment in many places, especially rural places in India. Okay, It's not the same thing. And so the idea was that this would just give him extra hardship in his life, this young girl who was married to him. And so they were married and because there was no choice. You are chosen as an arranged marriage. This is what you do. Okay, so he did, and this is where Leanna came in and met this young man and young woman who had been married, arranged marriage, and she helped them, and she helped them with medical treatment, helped them and paid for medical treatment, and helped them get the right medical treatment, and the woman recovered. They have a couple of children now, and they are uh, healthy. And God has, over time, over a long time, blessed them. It's a little different than some of the other things that we've talked about, where people are hiding, people are doing this and that. She actually encourages people to keep staying with your family. Because she understands 
the long game, the long, intense persecutions, eventually, somewhere in the line, oftentimes God uses those in the family to turn somebody. And another person turns. And another person says, I don't understand why you're taking all this abuse from them. Why don't you just turn back? Because it's real. And that's the answer that they have. It's real to me. This isn't just something I came up with. God is real and I want it to be. I want to do something with it. I can't turn my back on it. Okay? So understanding this and understanding that Leanna lives in a place where there are people. She knows of people and has dealt with people that were possessed by demons. Okay? And we don't hear that so much here in this country, although I'm not saying it doesn't exist. And it may exist more than we even think. But we don't hear it. But if you go to a place in India and you say, well, is there anybody that's kind of possessed by a demonic spirit or something evil, they know, right, who it is. And she has gone and been a part of uh, helping get rid of those evil spirits from those people and Christ has done mighty works in the places where she is. Now she's got a little influence, and that little influence grows and grows and grows, but works through those families, those individuals that she meets and talks with. She has saved uh, young girls and boys from um, being taken away, uh, sold as slaves for not only work, but for sex. I mean, she has protected them, and that happens in countries all around the world, including this country. Much more hidden here, but it happens here. And so she has worked against the, the flow, against the current, but her idea is a much more long game. And it's not really her idea. It's God's idea. It's God's idea. So here's what thing I want to think about, one well, thing I want to talk about. Uh, what do we do with people like this? Now, probably none of you at this point in your life know any Hindus. Probably not. Maybe. Okay. But they are in the places that you are probably going to go. Colleges. You will come up and meet people in colleges and, and places like that that might be Hindu, Hindu that might be Islamic, okay, or just plain people that don't want anything to do with God. You probably meet a lot of those, okay. In our country, we have very similar things. We have people who have said, "I don't want anything to do with God, and I am going to." pick on you or persecute you or treat you differently because of that. But Leanna's approach, which is God's approach, is this. Love them. Be with them. Care about them. Okay? And if you ever get an opportunity and you find one of those people in a very difficult situation, one of those people who are against God, but they come into a difficult situation, whether someone dies in their life or they have a great loss, like a, a fire or a flood or something like that, and they're in a tough time, something happened with their children, you can always offer to pray for them. 
And very rarely will people turn that down. When they are really in a hurting situation, I've had an opportunity to do that many times with people who I would never talk to God about directly, but at that moment of hardship, I can say, I can pray for you if you want me to. I've never had anybody say, no, I don't want you to. Those seeds matter. And that's exactly what Leanna says when when she is in India. She says, if you ever see one person and they're in that struggle and and you can do something for them, just offer to pray for them. And it touches the hearts of people. This is the thing. We've looked across all the continents. We've looked across countries around the world in the past, very much in the present now also. The need for humankind is God. Everyone needs God in their heart. And I don't care who it is, many of them know or have known at times in the past and maybe ignoring it, that they have a need. They may not know what it is and they may definitely believe it's not God, but there is something in their heart that gnaws at them that they are just not satisfied. All right? God made humans that way. I don't care what color you are, what country you come from, anything like that. God made us in such a way that we are made to commune with God, to talk with Him closely, to be close, to have a relationship with Him. We are made that way. So when we ignore God in our lives, it becomes an agitation a lot of times. Sometimes that comes out in anger. Sometimes it comes out in loneliness. Sometimes it comes out in in retribution against others, like like, uh, Saul. Right? He came after people because God was gnawing in his heart. And Saul said, or Paul, but said, I'm going to go and persecute these Christians. And that may be the very person that God is gnawing in his heart. And when Jesus took him down and blinded him in the road, he said, who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. And it's hard for you to do this, isn't it? It's hard for you to kick against. I've been talking to you. And you've been kicking back and kicking back. It is human nature to be stubborn. It's human nature to fight back. It's human nature to not listen. We all have those moments. Sometimes more than others, right? Where we don't want to listen. But the idea is this. If you approach people in a kind way, if you approach them not with a great great big Bible and I'm going to come over and I'm going to whack some sense into you, not that way, right? But I'm going to approach you in a way that I just live the way that God told me to live, then more and more uh, credence comes on you. As people watch you and say, you don't seem to be pushy and you don't seem to have issues like this and you're just a normal person except there's something a little different with you. You're not shaken by other things. What is it that makes you that way? I have had many people that I've worked with over the years 
some very close to me and some further away, uh, that have lost people. People died, mothers, fathers, children, and have gone to funerals. And not a lot of people are very comfortable going to a funeral. And I'm not saying, like, I love to go to funerals, but I'm okay because I understand that God is in control of all of those things, even my death. Most people don't want to do anything. Don't talk about it. This is nothing we're going to talk about. We're just going to ignore it. But when it's facing right in front of you, and I can go and sit, and I can sing at a funeral, and I can talk at a funeral, and I can just be there. Sometimes just being there matters a lot to people. I've had those be opportunities where they come back to me and say, They open up on other things. They see that I was there. They see that I was available, that I talked to them at that moment. And and time over time, I'll pray for you. Or if you ever want to talk, I'm there. Those times and those opportunities come. So what does Jesus say? And this is what I want to get into as we look in the book of John. matches perfectly with the way Leanna approaches her, uh, the people that she knows. The book of John, chapter number 15, we're going to go to. It matches perfectly with Leanna's approach to be with these people, to live life next to them, but have something very different. And Jesus... In John 15, we're going to meet, we're coming in in the middle of the Last Supper. Jesus is here, and Jesus is saying, here's what I want you to do. He knows he has hours left to live. He knows he will never get to have this conversation directly, physically, with his disciples in this type of setting ever again. Now, he also knows he's going to raise from the dead, but he knows in the next day he'll be crucified, he'll die, and his struggles, uh, his disciples are going to struggle greatly with that. Right? The loss of the one whom they love. So this is some of the words he says to them. He says, as you go out, do this. And he, he has so many good things. But John chapter 15, verse 16, 17, and 18, please. This is spoken to his disciples, but again, it is an interesting thing that is applicable to us as well. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. And Whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. Okay, so what does he first tell them to do? Actually, two things. That first verse, verse, that first verse, what does he say? Something for them to do. Go and bring fruit. Okay. Bring forth fruit. And then, more than that, what about the fruit? It's going to stay. 
all right, that it's going to stay. Fruit will stay. So this is what he says. You're going to go into the world. You're going to have trouble in the world. He says, the world hates me. They're going to hate you, too. But what I'm telling you, in the midst of that world, we've seen hatred, right, in all these different situations. Hatred comes about from these things. We know that there is hatred towards people that believe in Christ. There's really hatred towards Christ. Where does the hatred towards Christ come from? Right from Satan, right? Right from Satan. And people have latched right onto that because he hates, he hates God so much. But hatred comes from Christ. And he says, I want you to bring forth fruit. What's the fruit? Well, we know the fruit of the Spirit, right? Say him. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. Self-control, okay, right? So the fruits of the Spirit, those are good things you must have. If the Spirit's in you, they come out of you. Little bits at a time, right? You work on them, they become important. But here is more than just having fruit, he says, your fruit has to stay. This means season after season. Now, you, you grow a great, nice peach on the tree, right? And that peach, you watch it, you wait, and it's going to be perfect. And it's good to pick for how long. Perfect for a few days, maybe a week. And then it gets soft and mushy. And you get more fruit. So the idea is this. It is not just that you have those things, but that they remain. That those things are constant in your life. And it's not just a, well, I was nice once. No, no. It's a daily battle in the midst of those who hate you. You are to show love. You are to show kindness. Goodness, faithfulness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Self-control when they come at you. Kindness when they come at you. This is how we treat people because this is how God treats me. And you can do what you want to me, but I need to act this way. And with those things, acting in love towards them, just like that man who uh, was married to the sick girl, he continued to go back to his family. And over time, the influence became stronger and stronger. Even though he was the one they persecuted, 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 right? His influence grew back over time. So it's important that you have fruit and that you're in for the long game. Building long relationships with people matter. Months, weeks, years in your life. Because sometimes it's a whole lifetime. I have seen people who are totally against God. Married to a person who loves God. And somewhere after they got married, the one found Christ. And accepted Christ. And the other one said, no way. I've seen them be married for, I think... One particular couple I'm thinking of, five, six decades they were married for. And he was, he was against God the whole time. 
And she prayed for him, and she prayed for him, and she prayed for him. Not for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, her entire life. And on his deathbed, moments before, or hours before he died, he accepted Christ. So was it worth it? Oh, an eternity, absolutely, right? You've got the whole of eternity. That your fruit will stay. Keep going at it. Because the long relationships matter. That is the thing. Wherever you are, whatever thing you're in, whatever part of the world that you go to, whatever God brings you to, do that. Keep your fruit. Verse 19 to finish up. Here's the thing that we are to do. You are to live in the world. You don't have any choice, right? You're stuck in the world with all of these people around you. And he says, and they don't like you. Lots of people don't like you in this world. Lots of people will find out that you are chosen by God and say, I don't like that about you. But we return with kindness and love and joy and peacefulness and gentleness and self-control, we return that for what we're given. He says, because I've chosen you. I asked you to live in the world. I asked you not to be like the world. Right? That's what I've asked you to do. He says, I want you to be like me and be right in the midst of the world. Jesus ate lunch with tax collectors that people hated. He ate lunch with prostitutes, which people cast out. He talked to women. Men were not allowed to talk to women outside the home in his time. But he looked for sick, needy people, people that needed him. And he went, and it didn't matter the barriers. He took down all the barriers, and he said, I'm just going to love these people regardless. I'm going to show them towards God. And that is what really matters. That's what we're called to do. That's why we're going to talk about all of these people, right? We're going to talk about all of these opportunities that people have. But God's plan for us, wherever you end up, if you end up in India, or you end up in China, or you end up wherever, is to stand for Christ Live in such a way that your fruit tells your story. Right? Paul says, now, uh, now abideth these three things. Love, right? Hope, right? Charity. He says, faith, hope, and love are these three things that, are, that stick around forever and nobody's ever going to outlaw that you love somebody. And he says, you can live in the midst of one of these countries, one of these places, a tough thing. Corey Ten Boom in the middle of being persecuted, in the middle of a concentration camp, can still love. And he says, and that's what I've done, is I've placed you places on purpose to get to people wherever you are. You have the opportunity with your relationships, wherever you are, the classes you're in, the families you're in, the places you go, the things you do in your lifetime, the long game matters. Be in the world, but do not be of the world. Be of Christ.
That is the goal behind all this, is to help us understand we are not in this alone. People have done it for a long time, and people around the world live in hard times where they are persecuted for what they believe. Do not give up. Keep sticking to it. And keep loving and bringing your fruit. Help it to stay. Help it to remain. Thank you very much.